Welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum, so happy you're here with me today. My guest today is a former two-time NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, perhaps best known for his time in the WWE Tag Team with Lance Cade. It's uh, Trevor Murdoch, the NWA's Crockett Cup, upcoming on Fight on June 3rd and 4th in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Murdoch will be tagging up with Mike Knox. He's as old school as it gets, one of the most believable and genuine actors you're ever going to find in the modern wrestling world. So here we go with lots of good stories with Trevor Murdoch from the NWA. Honored to be joined by a respected veteran of the wrestling game, former two-time NWA World's Heavyweight Champion Trevor Murdoch. Trevor, thank you so much for joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. Well, thanks for having me. This is great. Great. It's so so great to have you. So let, let's start with what you have coming up. You're going to be competing in the Crockett Cup with tag team partner Mike Knox. What's it mean for you to be competing in the Crockett Cup? And uh, what do you think a team like with Mike Knox is going to be like? You've, you guys have teamed up a little bit. We've teamed up a little bit, yes. Uh, you know, the, my base is I'm a tag team wrestler. That's, that's where I kind of come from. So the Crockett Cup has always been the tournament to be a part of. And uh, now that I'm having that opportunity and I've got a tag team partner like Mike Knox, man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm fired up. Not only I'm excited to be a part of it, but I think we can take this whole thing. And it seems like two very physical, very agile big men too. Uh, guys who might not be doing things that people are going to expect for, for guys of your size. Well, and that's, we're old school pro wrestlers, but, we still, you know, we're athletes at the core of it. And uh, so we like to go out there and kind of give, give something a little different for the people. You know what I mean? You know, anybody can kick and punch, but when you're a guy our size coming off the top row, um, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to think back. How much time did you cross over with uh, Blank Knox even back when you guys were in WWE? We, we, I think he was on a different, like, I think he was ECW. Right, right. While I was on Raw, but you know, wrestlers all kind of intertwine with each other. We've seen each other on the Indies growing up and, and coming up in the business, and we had always kind of laughed and joked, like you know, one day, brother, one day we, <laughs> we can do it. And uh, now that we're here in the NWA, now we're getting our opportunity. Very good. So, if you had to give a scouting report for yourself to someone else, how would you describe your style and uh, and your persona? Um. We're, uh, I, I'm a smash mouth style pro wrestler, old school. There's no thrill to me. Uh, I, I know that the good Lord did not give me a face and a body to look at and enjoy. God <laughs> gave me a body to work. And, uh, I understand that. And when, when you watch me wrestle and you watch a guy like Mike Knox wrestle, um, it's kind of hard not to believe what we're doing because we're in there laying the wood to people and doing our best to uh, take people out of the realm of believability. You know, as a pro wrestler, our job is to be an entertainer, but our job is to make you forget where you're at, to draw you in. And I think Mike and I do a really good job of that. Right, definitely. That, that's something that I've always enjoyed about your body of work, particularly just the, the absolute, you know, the realism, the real commitment to the craft of pro wrestling that you, uh, that you show. Um, I'm also one of those guys who isn't afraid to take it as well as I give it, which, yeah. you know, and that's, that, that makes for a good competition. 
Yeah, absolutely. You've been with the NWA from the very start in 2019 in the, you know, in the power era with Billy Corgan. Uh, what about him and his style and your taste fits well? Um, with Billy, he doesn't micromanage and try to tell you what to be. He lets you be who you are. And that was one of the things when I first sat down with Billy, I asked him, what do you want? Because every promoter has an idea of what they want and they're pretty, uh, they want to stay, they want you to stay within that box. And what Billy told me was, I just want you. You're the wrestler. I'm paying you to, to come in and you wrestle. Uh, don't get me wrong. I have some talking points I'd like to steer you towards. But go out and do you, Trevor. And that was very freeing. I haven't, I hadn't had a promoter do that for a long time, since Harley. You know, Interesting. Um, so for that, for him to give me that and give me that, that space and that, that uh, openness gave me a lot of room to create and uh, express, uh, just do things that I had in my head, you know, for a long time, idea wise. And you've been able to have a nice amount of success in the NWA and you've gotten to wrestle in all sorts of different places. I know uh, you guys were at the, the chase and then even recently the world is a vampire festival down in Mexico. What, what, what have some of those uh, scenarios been like for you? Well, uh, first off with the chase, man, I mean, that's just historically, uh, I was the first main event for the NWA world title. The first pro wrestling match in that building, uh, been 37 years since the last match was in that building. Wow. So to not only be there for that, to be for the NWA world heavyweight title to win it. I mean, it was just a magical moment. Like I couldn't ask for a better scenario, uh, when it comes to winning the world title. Um, when it comes to the, the world is a vampire tour, I mean, you're mixing rock and wrestling. It was, it's a great concept because some of the fans are very similar. You know what I mean? There's a lot of cross promotion in that aspect. And for the fans of that festival, they not only got to see a ton of music and, and a ton of bands, but they also got to see some great, great wrestling. Uh, so why wouldn't you want to buy a ticket? We were in front of 25,000 plus people for the show. And then, of course, for the, the music festival and the, the actual late night event, like, you know, they had upwards of 40,000 people there. Wow, that's tremendous. And you got to think, too, in an event like that, some of those people are also seeing pro wrestling maybe for the first time in person. Uh, so it's you get to be their first impression, uh, you and, like, Psycho Clown. <laughs> yes. And you talk about it. Him and I beat the snot out of each other, too. Yeah. So it's just such a – it's fun when you're able to put wrestling in a unique – setting like that and it's an interesting idea and i'm actually kind of curious to see where he ends up taking it because it's very unique i know we have some other shows booked um following you know with billy's tour they they did a loop in australia that was really successful took half the crew over there uh for three weeks and those guys got to, to wrestle in front of some amazing crowds and introduce nwa to australia it's great exposure for the brand. Oh, and then sure. even with the crossover with AAA too, it's like they have an audience unto themselves and now it's a whole new, you know, exposure for everybody that you guys have. It's a really smart business plan on Billy's part. Yeah. What do you like most about the shows that the NWA puts on? Um, with NWA, you kind of get a variety. It, 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 it encapsulates the old school style of pro wrestling and the old school way of pro wrestling where you used to be able to watch a wrestling show 
and see a variety of people, big, small, fat, skinny, strong, weak, you know, whatever their characters were. And if you didn't like that match, you could wait 10 minutes and see another match with somebody that you would like. Whereas now is today, um, wrestling matches and wrestlers tend to blend together and, and not really stand out as a character. And that's why some of them have to go to the extremes of doing some, Oh, there's my cat uh, <laughs> doing some, this, we'll just turn this way here and uh, <laughs> doing some uh, amazing moves that could possibly get themselves hurt. You know what I mean? Um, whereas yeah. NWA, you know, we go out there and focus on the art of pro wrestling and not so much the story. We're talking about high spots there. Or right. I said we had a high spot right in the middle. I know, right <laughs> there. Oh, pre, 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 cat. oh, let go, let go, let go, let go. Oh, that was embarrassing. Uh, uh, sorry about that. Yeah, but I, you know, and I, I think too with the NWA, when you look at it, a lot of it, you know, you're, you're somebody who never had to, you know, struggle with on the mic. I don't think like you, you've always expressed yourself really well in uh, in interviews and promos. So that's well, great for you in this company, I would think. Oh, I'm no, I, I love it. There is, um, you know, when you work for uh, other companies, they tend to give you scripts or at least guidelines for what you what they want you to say. And, you know, some companies, I'm not going to point any fingers, want you to stick to that script. Whereas, you know, Billy says, all right, Trevor, you're wrestling this person next week or this person, you know, talk about what happened in your match against so-and-so. And I get to go out there and create and say what I want, what's on my mind at the time and how I feel. And that, that's where that realism comes across where people can feel it. You, you know what I'm saying? It, it gives yeah. me an opportunity to really connect with the fans on a level of, of who I, from who I am. Not and from you, you know who you are. Yeah. Yes, completely. I, I know myself better than anybody else. And Billy doesn't, he understands that and he doesn't want to try to hinder that. He just wants to, I guess, exploit it would be the best word, right? Yeah. And I was always a big fan of yours in your years in WWE. I loved the Caden Murdoch uh, tag team. I always thought WWE could have done more with you guys individually and collectively. Um, what made that tag team work for you guys? We were very understanding on what our positions were, not only in the tag team, but we were very real with each other about the business. Um, after Lance and I had, I think it was our second match together, and we realized we were going to be put on the road as a tag team full time, we had a we had a long talk in the car, and we were very honest with each other. They could split us up at any time. They don't keep tag teams together for a long time, but we can at least be honest and trust each other, and and tell ourselves, you know, what the truth. There's going to be times that we uh, aren't going to want to tell each other the truth and it's going to be hard, but we're going to have to. And if I can trust you, you can trust me. Um, when it's time, we can go our separate ways when the company wants us to, and we can still be friends. And, and we were just very real with each other. Uh, the other thing too, is we had a very similar style of pro wrestling and, and psychology of pro wrestling and how, what stories we wanted to tell. Um, he was trained by Shawn Michaels. I was trained by Harley race and, and their, their store, their psychologies are very similar. So that, you know, him and I blended very well like that. That's interesting. I would not have thought of that from the Shawn Michaels Harley race perspective, but you, you think about both of them in the ring and 
you know, it was relatively similar styles, but completely different looking guys. Right. But if, you know, and, and obviously Sean was uh, more of a high flyer, but if you look at the way the story of psychology of the, the matches he had, they're very similar. Yeah. You know, Sean comes from that old school era of pro wrestling and, and Harley was kind of on his way out while Sean was coming in. So, you know, there's, those generations cross path. Yeah. And the old school probably thought that Harley was a high flyer when he was coming in too, doing the diving headbutt oh, at the top yeah. and the knee and everything like that too. A lot of sure the, the older guys were complaining he's killing the business coming <laughs> off the top rope. Oh my God. Which, you know, it's it's evolution, you know what I yeah. mean? But what did Cade uh, mean to you personally and professionally? Uh Personally, like he became one of my best friends. My kids called him uncle. Um, he came to Christmas parties here in Alabama. He came to, you know, Thanksgivings and vice versa. Um, I remember having several meals with his grandma and his sister and, and her husband. And, and uh, it, you know, he became a brother to me, a guy that I could truly depend on inside the ring and outside the ring. Um, and in the ring, you know, you're talking about a 290-pound gorilla that could move like a cruiserweight and had an attitude, if he wanted to, to, to back it up. You know what I mean? Um, Lance and I kind of got a reputation in WWE as, you know, you mess with one, you mess with the other. So it's just in your best interest to leave them both alone. Um, there was a time where, uh, back in the day, when Triple H was not, wasn't on the greatest terms with Billy Gunn and Road Dogg. And we were doing a house show in this, and I forgot where it was, but Billy and Road Dog were doing a signing down the road, and they had sent the message that when Hunter came out for his match, they were going to hit the ring and kick his ass. Um, so Hunter comes up to us. We didn't know anything about this. Hunter comes up to us and explains the whole story to us and says, we want you guys to be, I want you guys to watch my match. And of course, we're young guys. We're like, of course, we watch your match. Oh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's every night, Hunter. You're the man, you know, and. Like, I quit kissing my ass, and they explained the story. And we said, of course. Like, he goes, as soon as you see those guys hop over the rail, you come out there, and, and you eat their lunch. And, uh, of course, we watched the match. They didn't show up. Nothing happened. But it really signified to us, like, you know, they knew that we would go and we'd take care of business when we were told. Yeah, that, that must have been, I guess, probably when they were in TNA, when they were doing a lot of the, you know, talking on TV about, uh, you know, the guys that that left and everything. Yeah, it's, you know, just stirring up business. Sometimes yep. people got hard feelings and, uh, you know, those guys will take it to the limit. At least they used to back in the day. Yeah. I mean, you and Cade was such, it was a relatively short run. I think it was like four, four years you were in WWE, yeah. but three tag team title reigns. So it was always... Uh, I, I always look forward to you guys whenever uh, whenever you are out there. Uh, what, what, probably one of my favorite tag teams of that uh, generation. So you're obviously an old school pro wrestler. You were a uh, Rhodes and you're a Murdoch. So I know you appreciate that. <laughs> right. Um, who were the people you liked and watched uh, when you were growing up? Obviously, I was a Dusty Rhodes fan. Um, and then when, you know, those guys were all intertwined together. Once you watch some several Dusty's matches, it's, you're going to find Harley. And, you know, when I once, once I found Harley, I was, I was hooked. You know, we're talking about a guy who, when he came to the ring, you, you believed every single thing that guy did. You know what I mean? From the, from the moment he walked into the ring to the time he stepped through the ropes to the time, you know, the bell rang. Um, he was very, 
intimidating. And he always won at the very, like, as a young guy watching Harley match, I would get angry because he would win all the time, but it was just barely so close at the end. Um, and, of course, as I got older, I realized what he was doing was he was building his opponent, making him look like a million dollars, and then beating him, um, which garnered a ten times more respect for him. Uh, and then, you know, I got lucky enough to meet him later on down as I got older, and, you know, I, I connected to his hip. That's great. And I was going to ask you, actually, what was it like the first time you met Harley Race, and what was he like <laughs> to know and learn from? Um, uh, the first time I truly met Harley Race was uh, at a Motel 8. He was starting a wrestling company. Uh, the Motel 6, I think it was, sorry. And um, I'm down in the lobby because they're looking for guys to fill spots, just basically, you know, job guys. And it's Harley Race, a fifth of vodka, and Gordon Soley oh sitting at a table in a lobby. And they're on this yellow notepad, and they're talking about the match. And Harley's looking for a guy, and he looks up and down the line, and he looks right at me, and he goes, do you have a license? And I said, yes, sir, I do. He goes, you're going to be wrestling Greg the Hammer Valentine tomorrow. And I, yes, sir. And at that time, that was the first name I'd ever gotten into the ring with. Um, got to the show the next day, and um, Greg was very kind and gracious and was going to give me some, some, some moves in the match, you know, for breaking kayfabe a little bit. And so we're up at the gorilla about to walk through the, the curtain, and Greg and I are going over the match, and Harley's right there, and we get done, and Greg looks at, uh, looks at, or Harley looks at Greg, and uh, pardon my French, you guys can beat this out, but he goes, uh, the kid doesn't get shit. And uh, I started to laugh, and Greg looked at me and uh, said, okay, you heard the man. And so for the next six minutes, I proceeded to get my butt whooped. Wow, that's great. And Greg Valentine, that must have been quite an experience, too. Oh, I loved, oh, I was so excited. I, you know, I was, you would have probably ne never met anybody who's more excited to get beat up in his life than I was at that time. Yeah. Because I had watched Greg from WWF, and I knew how rough he was. And, you know, guys don't change. You know, when, once the red light's on, they go to work. What was what was the best advice you ever got from Harley Race? Um. At, there's so, like, I wouldn't say there's, like, any one thing, you know what I mean? Um, there's, there's several things throughout the years I got a chance to learn from him. Um, one of them was, you know, let, never let them know, like, they hurt you. You know what I mean? Don't ever, don't don't let people know they get to you. Don't don't sell their, their crap when they're trying to get under your skin. Um, and that was one of the things that I, I never seen Harley get excited, never seen him get, frustrated or mad over something he never put anything over um i know it may be a little generic but he always used to say the cream will rise to the top kid he goes you know you may have to work hard you may have to go through some some things that other people don't but as long as you're going out there and you're producing every single night you will get your opportunities and sure enough you know that's i've lived by that motto and for a fat, you know, for a fat redneck from Fredericktown, Missouri, uh, I don't think I've done too bad, you know, following his lead in that aspect. Very nice. Since we're still talking about Harley Race, uh, who's, who's your favorite opponent against Harley Race? What's your favorite like series of matches or matches that you've seen him in? Well, you, you know, you you definitely got to deal, you know, Harley and Flair 
yeah. um, had, had a great had a great run together. But what was what I really liked about Harley was he was able to kind of chameleon himself to Dust to uh, to Ric Flair, and then switch to Dusty, and then go into a, a hard fight with Terry Funk, or or then have a technical match with the Briscoes. He could match up to any of those guys and look like he he was just as good as they were. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's man, that's such a talent to do. And then you would watch him do something crazy as that and and as out. What's the word like graceful when a guy would shoot him into the corner and do that flip bump into the corner out of over the top rope and onto the floor? And that guy's 260 pounds doing it like a cruiserweight. His you know ma- I mean? Yeah, his match in the Silver Dome against the Junkyard Dog was pretty, and he was probably in his mid to late 40s at the time at that size and literally like every move in the match is just him flipping over the rope or the corner or at one point he does the diving headbutt attempt from the apron to the concrete and misses and he knew because was there 98,000 people in the silver dome like you got to do that and for him that was what that match i think went all of like 12 13 less yeah yeah um and he went out and killed it and for him, he probably barely broke a sweat because you're talking about a guy who was very common for him to go hour-long matches every single night. And here we are 36 years later, and I'm still remembering almost beat for beat everything I watched when I was a kid. Right, but it, it, it drew you in. It, you, Yeah, okay, you may not, you may have heard the Stooge reports, wrestling is not real, but, man, when you watch a movie, I don't go and watch Star Wars thinking, Oh my God, I do not want to go in space. It is crazy because it's real. No, it's, it's, it's meant to draw you in and, and for you to forget about all the troubles you got going on in your life. And if, if you're having an issue with your boss and you got heat with your boss, you can kind of associate that to a bad guy like Harley. You know what I mean? And, and almost walk out of a wrestling show, like and feel better. Like you just kind of got all of that off your chest. If you really just let it, let it be what it is and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, absolutely. What was it like for you the first time you ever stepped in a wrestling ring? Um, it was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life because I've, I've never been the quite, I've never been the guy, look at me, look at me. I'm just not that type of individual. So when you step into the ring, all eyes are on you and your opponent. You know, everything you do is, is, being watched and scrutinized. Um, but I had a sense of excitement about it too, because there is nothing cooler than hearing those fans chant your name. Or if you're a bad guy and they're booing you and you know that you're able to control their emotions and you've got them right in the palm of your hand. And when I got to step into the ring for that first time, even though I was under a hood, I got to hear people cheer for me and it, it, it just got me excited. It's almost, you've heard other wrestlers say this too, I'm sure. It's almost like a drug. Like, it's, you, you got to get your fix, get in the ring, and, and and listen to those people and be able to have that, that moment. At, at times, stepping into the ring is, it's almost soul-cleansing. Because for me, I can get out all my emotions in that ring that I've had pent up 
for whether it be about a you know bills or an argument or whatever for me it's very soul cleansing very good and what's it like for you now since you're the veteran now when young guys are asking you to watch uh, their match and give them any feedback you know, it makes me feel good um it reminds me what stage of my career i'm in um i'm on the back half of my career uh but it, it makes me feel good that these young guys are coming up and, and they're, they're wanting to take, take part of, I guess, what Harley taught me and add it into their repertoire and kind of carry it on to the next generation. Um, we've got a young guy uh, named Thrillbilly in the NWA that, that constantly hits me up for advice. And he's a big young guy that really wants it, that it works hard and listens. He's humble. And it makes me feel really good when he comes up and, and gives me a problem that he thinks is a problem. I'm able to solve it for him. And then he goes into the ring and applies that and watch it work for him. That's for me, when you're able to help those guys, like their eyes open up a little bit and realize why we do some of the little things here and the detail things here and they get it that man, that makes me feel really good because you know, that they're going to be able to use that in their every match from then on. That's great. So we're going to move on to something we call the three count now. It's going to be three quick questions and your answers. So if you had to pick a song that best represents your persona to come to the ring, what would it be? A, a song and my persona, like right now, my entrance music, Jack Boot, and it's a Billy Corrigan song, and it's got zero words to it, but every emotion of anger and intimidation that I want to come across when I step into the ring. When I come through that curtain, uh, there's a statement. Uh, I believe Johnny Valentine said, "You know, they may not believe in pro. They not believe. They may not believe pro wrestling is real, but I can make them believe that I'm real." And that's what I want when I step through that curtain and step into the ring, and when I walk back out, I want them to go, "I know, I know, pro wrestling's fake, but that match Murdoch was in. I don't know. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I want them to set, suspend disbelief." What's great is that when I did the three count with Billy Corgan, I was asking him to associate different songs of his with wrestlers. And I'm realizing now that I just did that in reverse with, with you. <laughs> with this song. Well, it's, it's my little Easter egg that nobody really knows. You know what I mean? Like I'm coming out to a smashing pumpkin song that, it, you know, I, I love it, man. And it's, it's intense. It's aggressive. It's everything I want to come I want to be want people to feel when I walk out to that ring. So you mentioned, you know, you're kind of the blue collar wrestler with uh, no frills. What What is the fanciest gear you've ever worn? Man, I used to have pleather trunks. I'll tell you this. Okay. Uh, right when I got, before I got to the WWE, I spent six months in Japan in the dojo. Uh, and they have very elaborate gear makers. So I had this beautiful pleather robe made. It was, one was blue, one was black. Both had silver flames going down the front and back of gorgeous robes. Had pleather trunks, blue and, and uh, black ones. And I look, they were great for Japan. Right. Um, well, but I was wearing that same thing when I got my job with WWE. And uh, I remember the first time I wore them out, uh, Arn Anderson came up to me after the match. And, uh, and he goes, uh, excuse me, aren't you, a, a, aren't you, aren't you a, an old school pro wrestler? And I said, uh, yes, sir. And uh, he goes, uh, then why are you wearing pleather? Pleather, <laughs> Trevor. Pleather. I said, yes, sir. 
And uh, I went to the gear maker and I said, can you please have me a pair of uh, spandex black trunks and uh, uh, blue trunks made, please. Very nice. Um, the last question, uh, since you're a big pro wrestling guy, what three matches would you show someone to introduce them to the sport? Well, okay. Um, if Okay, now this is just like some of them's not them. Okay, one of them is going to be a Japanese match between Akiyama, uh, Takiyama and Kobashi. Hmm. Uh, I got to be ringside for that. Uh, I think guys would, if, you, if I was introducing you to pro wrestling, you'd, you'd get excited about that. Um, I think the, the cage match with Flair and Harley, because I'm a Harley guy, I think people would really get behind that. And then um, let's see here. Let's, man, you know, Trevor winning the NWA world title at the chase at 73, man, I think would really, I think that would bring him to the house. Nice. Very good. <laughs> I tell you what, too, for the Flair and Harley in the cage, I love all of the setup to the original Flair for the gold, too, with Harley with the, the mutton chops and the suit and the 10 pounds of gold under his, and also like the bounty on Flair with Bob oh, and all that stuff. That's the great, I used to, I used to kind of, bust harley's chops you know in that because if you remember he's he's screaming at the camera and he's he's begging somebody to take the take that reward and um there's a moment where he's yelling out names and he pauses for a second and he goes Kabuki! <laughs> <laughs> and we found that very funny to be that was the one one of the guys in there we asked him about it and he goes Remember, I lost my train of thought for a split second, and all I could think of was Kabuki. <laughs> That's tremendous. I got to go back and watch that now. Please, please. Yeah. There'll be like a two second pause, and then it's <laughs> Kabuki. <laughs> oh, that's tremendous. I love that he knew right off the bat, too. Oh, instantly. That was, um, you know, like one of a lot of people don't know that you could sit down with Harley and watch one of his matches, and he would be able to tell you detail what was going to happen. Like He could remember every bit of it that was going to happen next. And you'd look at him and go, but that was like, when was that? And he would tell you exactly the date, where it was, and how long he went in that match. And you're talking about a guy who wrestled every single day on an, especially as world champion. Yeah. That he, you know, he was home maybe 300 and he was gone 300 and, you know, uh, 40 days out of the year, so he'd make it home 20, 25 days a year. He was wrestling everywhere, and to be able to have that much, to remember that much detail yeah. of a match was amazing. And you, you seem like it was so fortunate for you to have that master's education in pro wrestling from... The Bible of pro wrestling sitting right there, so we I asked him everything, you know what I mean? And I asked him some of the good stuff and some of the bad stuff, and he was always up front and honest with me. Um, but he also could sit there and tell tell you what he was thinking in a match from 1973, you know, wherever it was, you know what I yeah. mean? Tremendous. Well, uh, Trevor Murdoch, thank you so much for joining me today under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. Check out the Crockett Cup when that's coming up uh, June 3rd and 4th, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Been a real pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for having me, and uh, sorry about the cat, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to come back. All right. Have a good one. You too. Thanks again, everyone, for joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. I'd like to thank Trevor Murdoch for joining me today. I'd also like to thank Mark Kruskal from the NWA for helping set this up. 
Follow me on Twitter at Under the Ring for the latest announcements on upcoming guests on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you.